And so I was, back up, some of you haven't turned there yet, and so just, I'm going to surprise you. Uh, somebody was asking, is it going to be a good one? Say, oh yeah, it's going to be real good, like fire and brimstone, it's like gospel, you're just, people are going to get saved. So here it is, Galatians 6, verse 6, let the one who is taught the word Share all good things with the one who teaches. You're probably like, what's the big deal? I'm the one that has to preach this. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. We're just going to look at this one verse this morning. And so before we jump in, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that we would hear your word and we would apply it to our lives, that you would sow it into our hearts and it would bear a lot of fruit. Lord, because you spoke these words, breathed them out into Paul, he wrote them down, he spoke them or wrote them to the Galatians and it's been recorded for every believer to read, hear, understand and apply. And so, Lord, would you speak to us, guide us, and lead us in the appropriate way this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So, Todd Wilson is an author, speaker, theologian, and pastor. He has a graduate degree from Wheaton College and a PhD in New Testament studies from Cambridge University. He currently serves as the president of the Center for Pastor Theologians. And so all, all I have to say is I, I share those credentials. He's smart. You know, he studies the Bible. He teaches people how to study the Bible. He teaches pastors how to study the Bible and how to preach the Bible. And when he preached this verse to his church, he titled the message, Pay Your Pastor. Now you understand why when I say no sense in prolonging the inevitable. And so I was joking around with the guys this morning. I said, I'm not going to title it, pay your pastor. And this is going to date me again. Jerry Maguire, like, it's just show me the money. And I, I ran this one by Ricardo, and he was sort of trying to correct me. And I was like, Ricardo, don't forget, you preach at least once a year here. And he was trying to back out of it in different ways and whatever. But anyways, he told them, his church, Todd Wilson, this. He said, if my sermon title makes you feel a bit uncomfortable, you should know it makes me even more so. So I've wrestled with this text now for two weeks, knowing that as we made our way through Galatians, and I'm looking ahead and I'm just seeing verse 6. What, what do we do with verse 6? How do I preach verse 6 to our church? I love 7 and 8. and like th That one is like, that one preaches, Josiah. What you sow, you're going to reap. Like we feel that. But verse 6 is there. You can't get to 7 without preaching 6. And so as I've wrestled with this, I, like Todd Wilson, have been uncomfortable as I've thought about this verse and this moment. This verse, it's, it's, it's just sat in my head. Let the one who hears the word share good things with those who teach the word. It's just been there for two weeks. And 
Like, how do you share this? How do you preach this? How do you, how do, God, what are you trying to do? And so it's just been marinating, and it's just been uncomfortable. It's been uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, I rest in knowing, I think we all should rest in knowing that, that these words are not my words. I didn't make these words up. These words found here in verse 6, these are God's words. He breathed them out into holy men for them to be recorded in holy scripture so that all of God's redeemed people would read them, know them, be taught by them, corrected by them, rebuked by them, and trained by them in righteousness that we might be complete and equipped for every good work. And again, I didn't make that up. That comes from 2 Timothy 3.16 that just says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So in God's wisdom, he did breathe these words out and into Paul so that we would be gathered here in this context this morning and we'd find them valuable. They'd find a place in our life and they'd, they'd show up and they'd bear fruit in some way as we seek to live in the good of the gospel. I don't just rest, though, in the fact that these are God's word. I also rest in the grace of God that's at work in your lives as you walk in humility and generously give. I've been a pastor here since 2005, and I can honestly say what I've experienced over all those years is that you are a faithful, humble, and generous church. You give regularly and faithfully through your tithes and offerings. You give regularly and faithfully to those in need. Your giving like this reveals the grace of God at work in your lives. It reveals that you love God far more than you love your money or material possessions. It reveals that you trust God to provide for all of your needs more than You trust what's in your bank accounts. And I would say this, you've always cared for your pastors. You've always cared for those who have taught you either behind this pulpit or in some other context. And and I'm I'm not making that up. I'm not trying to flatter you guys. It's just, it's the truth. You've been generous to applying this passage to your lives, to other pastors who have come before me, other teachers in different contexts. You, you've just been and are a humble, faithful, generous church. And so I trust the grace of God as I have the opportunity to preach this message. So at the outset of this message, please know also that I don't preach this message with some ulterior motive uh, behind anything. I've kind of been joking around this morning with guys just to sort of, it's kind of what I do sometimes when I get a little nervous, you know, I just revert back to just joking and it just comes naturally and sometimes it gets a little too much. That's why I did ask that you kind of help me out here. Um, So I'm not coming here this morning because Phil and I, like we want something from you. There's not a, a big ask at the end of this message. We're going through this message because it's found here 
in the letter that we are going through. I'm also not looking to correct you in this message. I know one of the purposes of God's word is that it does that. It trains us, it teaches us, it builds us up, it does correct us, it does uh, reprove us so that we might walk in the good works that God has called us to. And so there may be correction in this message for some of you, but that's not my intent. I don't, have, I don't have that in the back of my head. Make sure I say this so that this person hears that. that, that that's not there. Just seeking to be faithful to what God has called us to do. I'm coming to you this morning to preach God's word to you with the hope that this word serves you today. And not just today, but it serves you in the future, whether you're in this church or you're in some other church. And so what we're going to learn this morning is a simple truth from this one verse. And it's this, living in the good of the gospel means we take care of those who are faithful to teach us God's word. Living in the good of the gospel means we take care of those who are faithful to teach us God's word. And so we're going to dig in this truth by looking at three points this morning. In our first point, we learned this. Number one, all of us will be taught God's word. All of us will be taught God's word. All of us are hearers of God's word. All of us find ourselves listening to someone else teaching us God's word faithfully. Now you might be wondering why Paul would include this verse in this letter to the Galatians. I did. And I jump in there and saying, what, what in the world? Like, how does this make sense fitting into all of this? And I just started thinking and, and we don't know exactly what's really behind this, but we can make some safe assumptions. One of those safe assumptions is that the letter to the Galatians is one of the earliest letters written in the New Testament. So Christianity is beginning to explode. The church is beginning to grow and they're being planted. And Paul has written a number of letters to a number of churches where he he seeks to bring some instruction to help them understand this is what a church looks like. This is how a church functions. And so he set elders and teachers in place to expound upon God's word and disciple God's people so that they would grow in their faith. And so he's just sort of laying out in some practical ways. This is how the gospel works in a very practical way in our lives. Those who have received salvation through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, he gets to this point, he's like, take care of those who teach you. Share all good things with those who who teach you. Those who are taught the word should share things with those who teach them the word. And so uh, that's a safe assumption. The other one that I was thinking about is, is there's also false teachers present, creating all sorts of havoc, all sorts of confusion, leading them away from the gospel. They weren't faithful to teach God's word. They were disrupting it, leading people away from it. And Paul's been going after them throughout this letter. And in a subtle way, he's saying, don't listen to them. Don't care for them. They're actually leading you away from Jesus Christ. Care for the ones who are faithful to teach you the gospel and God's word. Don't buy into these false teachers. Don't forget about the ones who are faithful. So sort of a a practical matter in the way in which the church works and functions. We need to listen to faithful teachers who teach God's word faithfully. 
all of us, and I would say this includes every teacher in the church, need faithful teachers who love God, love his word, and faithfully teach it. God's word is profitable. It's valuable to us to teach us who God is, what he is doing, who Jesus Christ is, what he has done for us, what he is doing, and who we are, who we're called to be, and what we're called to do. See, we need his word. We need his word to set us straight, to guide us and lead us in the truth, because his word is the truth. In the world in which we live in, it's, it's full of many lies that are passed along as, as truths. And we live in a culture that, that allows for this, where you can believe what you want to believe, and it, it might contradict what this person believes, but the world in which we live says, that's okay. Because what's true to you is true to you, and what's true to you is true to you, and what the Bible is saying, no, this is the truth. There actually has to be a truth. It, it can't be what you think is right and what you think is true. And, and they both kind of bump heads with each other. And, and we'd say, well, there has to be truth, right? And so the Bible is that. And I think we need to believe that and have a conviction on that. And we need to be taught that. We need to be hearers of that. We need to read it for ourselves, but what we learn here in a, in a practical way is, is we also need to be hearers of it. We, we need to be sitting under faithful preachers and teachers who teach us these things, that open up these truths to us as we gather corporately in contexts like this so that we might grow together as a community of believers in our faith. Every Sunday, we gather together to worship God together corporately. And we do many things, but I would say this, this is my conviction, the most important thing we do on a Sunday morning is open up God's Word and hear it preached and teached. And that, that's not to say that singing is irrelevant. But what I'm saying is God's Word is the most important thing for us as we gather in a context like this, hearing it being read, and then hearing it being taught to us so that we might respond appropriately to the voice of God through His Word being proclaimed and taught to us. I love all the other stuff we do. Those, those things are, are, are beneficial in so many ways. But we need God's Word and we need it being taught to us. Our children need God's Word and they need it being taught to them. We need to be disciples. See, we don't just show up here to see one another. And I love seeing one another. We don't just show up here because it, this is something we're supposed to do. Every Sunday, you got to get out of bed and you got to make it to church so you can just be there. Like there's a purpose behind all of this. And one of those ordained purposes is that we would be taught God's word together. That we would be hearers of God's word. Now years ago, I came across a little booklet titled, Listen Up. A Practical Guide to Listening to Sermons. I handed it out at one of our book sales, just giving it to as many people as possible. And I, I don't, we don't have any back there anymore, but I'll get some. Anyways, very helpful little tiny booklet written by a man named Christopher Ash. And in his introduction, he wrote the following. He said, After the parable of the sower, Jesus says, 
consider carefully how you listen. He goes on to say that if we listen in one way, we will be given more. But if we listen in another way, even what we think we have will be taken away from us. The way we listen is a life or death business. It is possible to have ears that fail to hear, to be ever hearing but never understanding. Listening to sermons is a risky business. It can damage your health or take you closer to final rescue. What it won't do is leave you unchanged. It's just in his introduction. It's a very helpful little booklet, but but it gets the point across. Uh, It's very important how we hear and how we listen to God's word. It's a means of God's grace given to us so that we might grow in our faith, in our love for God, in our worship of God, in our love for Christ, and in our love for and passion for his mission that he's given to us. Now, I'm going to take a little liberty with the text because it does talk about us being taught and how we listen and just sort of share with you how we can become better listeners, better hearers. The first thing we can do to become a better hearer is to expect God to speak to us through his word. We can be better hearers, better listeners, by expecting God to actually speak to us through his word being taught to us. We are to listen to sermons and teachings on God's word expectantly because God actually speaks through his word. I've already shared the verse 2, Timothy 3, 16. God breathed these words out and into holy men. These aren't just Paul's words. These are God's ordained words, holy scripture, where he is speaking through his word. I would say a lot of times, though, we come to his word and we come to contexts like this, and I include myself here, and, and we're not really necessarily expecting to hear from God. Sometimes we're coming just to, just to, what does Phil have to say to us today? What does Aaron have to, have to say to us today? Forgetting that, that Phil has wrestled with God for like 40 hours. That might be a little much, but I'm just going to throw it out there for you. Build a higher fence for you. Asking that question, Lord, what do you want to say through this passage to these people? He's not just saying, Lord, I want to prepare a message. He's thinking about this word delivered to these people so that he might deliver what God has to say in such a way that you hear it and respond appropriately to it. And so when we come to teaching contexts like this, we we need to come expecting that God is going to speak to us. It may not radically transform your lives. And I would say in many cases that just never happens. But he does speak. And it has a cumulative effect over time of God saying things to us through his word, building us up in our faith. The second thing we can do to become better hearers is to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and submit ourselves to his word being taught to us. The Bible teaches us, it corrects us, it trains us in righteousness so that we might actually grow in our faith and walk in the good works that he has prepared for us to walk in. 
And so if we believe God is speaking to us and he's saying something to us, and this is his truth, then we're being confronted by it. And I think when we walk in humility in this context is we submit to, Lord, what are you saying? And what should my response be? And sometimes the response is, is to think differently about something. Sometimes the response is, is, is to be filled with greater hope, believing that, that, that we really do have a better home. Sometimes our response might actually look like repentance. It might actually look like confessing sin to a brother or sister and receiving God's fresh grace of forgiveness and turning away from that. Sometimes that response might be, I'm going to pray for that brother or sister. I'm going to do this. Or it might be sharing the gospel. It just kind of depends on the passage. So we come expecting God to speak. And we come humbly seeking to respond to what God is saying. The third thing we can do to become better hearers is to faithfully week in and week out listen to God's word being taught. This is is really a simple one. It kind of goes in with what I was saying earlier, but I'm going to share another quote from Christopher Ashe on this. He says, The Bible is not designed to give me a series of instant fixes. It is God's instrument to shape and mold my mind and character into the likeness of Christ. And that takes time. I need to listen to the Bible passage being preached today and to turn my heart to God in submission and trust today. Not only because I may need that passage today, but because I may need that passage tomorrow. And tomorrow may be too late to learn it, and this takes repetition and reminder. So we need not a random series of sermon fixes, but to sit together regularly, week by week, under the systematically preached Word of God, and as we are taken through the teaching of the Bible by patient exposition, gradually Christ-likeness is worked in our character, our affections, and our desires, our decisions, and our lives. I know that's a mouthful. But there's a reason I want it. So if you can just leave that up there. And I was sharing this with the new members class, and I kind of snuck a little bit too early to it. But, but the point is, we become better hearers by actually being present. Week in and week out. Because God typically seems to work over time. And I would say, if you're anything like me, sometimes I just don't get it. I I need to hear living in the good of the gospel every week because it's going to take me probably 6 to 8 to 10 to 12 weeks to understand what that actually means. And that's what I love about the way in which we preach is we go through letters of the Bible because we're going to hit these things and there's typically going to be a lot of themes Or one main theme in every letter that you're going to feel like, didn't he say that last week? And if you don't feel that way, that's the way I feel when I sit down to preach. I just think, how many times can you say we're we're justified by faith alone and Christ alone? Well, obviously, we need to hear it every week. It's kind of a big deal. And if you miss a week or you miss two weeks and you've missed two messages and, and whatever, and then God's design is he has a lot of repetition and a lot of reminders of these same truths and these same themes. And what happens is you hear it this week this way, and then you hear it again this week, and then eventually it builds up and it changes us. And so I'd say we become better listeners 
when we faithfully show up and listen. I used to get so frustrated that I wanted like my life changed with one quiet time or I want my life changed with one message. Like, why can't I remember that stuff? I don't know if anybody of you are like this. Like, I'll just like, what do you talk about? I can't remember. Like, what'd you read this morning? I can't remember. And it's lunchtime. And what I finally came to grips with is like, that's just not the way the Lord made me. Some of you are really, really smart. What I need is just sheer volume. Say it again. Say it again. Repeat yourself again. What, what was it? Oh, you're justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone and nothing else. I need that reminder every week. And by God's grace, he allows for us to say it every week as we go through Galatians. The fourth and final thing we can do to become better hearers is to prepare to hear God's word. Prepare to hear God's word. And these are just practical tips. They actually come from Christopher Ashe's little, little thing. And I'd say pray. I'm going to go quickly through this. Pray for your own ears to hear and your own heart to understand. Pray for the preacher or the teacher who has to speak. Do what you need to do to be rested and ready. I know sometimes we stay up late and different things. I just say, like, have, have self-awareness. If you're sitting here today and you're really tired because you were playing video games until 5 a.m. and you're trying to keep your eyes open, just think through, like, okay, let me try to go to bed at 4 next Saturday and see if that helps. Just little baby steps. Just pay attention to the heart. Where are you at? It might mean reading the Bible passage before you show up. It might mean you sit in a different spot to eliminate distractions. There's just little different things you can do to prepare to hear God's word. I'm going to trust you to figure those things out. What works for you may not work for somebody else. And so let's not be legalistic in that and saying you've got to go to bed at four and not five. You know what I mean? Anyways, this leads us to our second point. Some of us, though, are going to be teachers of God's word. See, God's word is meant to be read privately and publicly. It's meant to be studied by all Christians, and it's also meant to be taught and preached by faithful men and women in the church. The word taught here in the Greek is katecheo, which is where we get our English word catechism from. We learn certain truths about God in the form of questions as we are discipled in God's ways. So God calls and equips certain men and women, I'm going to be careful here, in the church to teach in the appropriate context of the church his word to the church. So this isn't just for men. God calls and gifts women to teach. It calls it in different contexts and in different roles. Paul in his letter to Timothy charged him, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So he's charging Timothy to preach the word because we need to hear God's word preached. We need to hear God's words. And teachers, pastors, preachers, they need to be ready to preach. 
They need to be ready to teach. They need to be faithful to open up God's Word because we do live in a world where, where we have itching ears. You can Google whatever you want and find a message about whatever you want that's going to support whatever it is you want to do. It just will. But I say, is it faithful to what God says in His Word? Is it true? And we need faithful teachers. We need faithful preachers. Discipling and proclaiming God's word. David Platt, in his commentary, said the following. He said, the role of the pastor teacher is not to entertain or to use gimmicks to attract people to watch the performance. He's called to teach the truths of of Scripture. I need to be reminded of that. Because I think there's an art to preaching and teaching. There just is. And there's different giftings that people have in preaching and teaching. And it's important to get people's attention if you're going to teach faithfully God's Word. My goal in preaching is to faithfully say what God is saying to us through His Word in such a way that it is delivered to you so that you might hear it and appropriately respond to it. So when I think about preaching, I think about anybody who stands in this pulpit, or I think about our children's ministry teachers, or any context where there's teaching going on from God's Word, the goal is to faithfully say what God is saying in His Word to the people listening to it. And and here's key. In such a way that you hear it, and understand it, and respond appropriately to it. That's what we're attempting to do in preaching and teaching. That doesn't mean entertainment or gimmicks because we want to be faithful to God's word, but being faithful to preach and say what God is saying to you so that you actually hear it means means it's got to be delivered in a certain way. And by that I would say we don't want it to be boring. You know, we don't want to talk about heaven if this is like, I'll go there if maybe. Like we're talking about heaven. You should be excited about it. Talking about heaven's sins forgiven. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Like, and you say, like, yeah, you're, Christ died on the cross for your sins. and He rose from the dead. Let's pray and have lunch. Okay, Maybe. How about the fact that we're all losers? We all fall short and we like to pretend like we don't. We tend towards being self-righteous and legalistic and we're enemies of God. But God, being so great for us, sent His Son and He killed Him so that we would be forgiven. And He's forgiven us of more things than we're even aware of. And we're covered in the blood of Christ. And we have free access to God and He's purchased for us. This freedom and this hope so that we can pick up a cross. And I think about that all the time. Like, how do you preach to people and help them understand what a privilege it is to pick up a cross, to deny ourselves? I think about it like a Braveheart scene. That's how I think about picking up a cross. I want, I want somebody to, to talk to me about that in such a way that I, I'm just ready. Like, give it to me. Especially in those moments where I do not want to do the dishes. 
because my wife is out and I know she loves the kitchen clean when she comes back. It's easy to say it here. It's hard to do it there. But a pastor or a teacher needs to be able to preach it in such a way that we actually respond to what God is saying. I'm saying more than I want to say for that moment. But anyways, the point is some of us are called to be teachers. But we're all called to be hearers. And this leads us to our final point. Those who are taught God's word should share all good things with those who teach God's word. Again, just so you know, these, these aren't my words. I'm just gonna, that's the scripture verse. I, see how I did that? I stole that point from God's word. I, I just like, I trust you. I really do trust you. I don't completely trust myself. So I'm going to write it safe and just share God's word. The third point of this message is actually verse 6 of chapter 6 in the Bible. And whose words are those? Are they my words? No, they're God's words. And he says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Paul urges and instructs the Galatians to support their preachers and teachers materially. David Platt says, This would include food, money, and whatever good things are appropriate for the teacher's welfare. So, you know, just having fun this morning. Ricardo sits down and he starts to sort of correct me. He always comes in and he's like, brother, what can I pray for? I'm always like, the same thing, Ricardo. Just preaching, blah, blah. And then we kind of talk about the text and I'm throwing it out there and he's sort of trying to bring me back to reality. Because I did say I was going to change the message title, show me the money. Anyway, so then it comes up, and we're talking about sharing all good things. What does that really mean? And there's a story out there. I don't know if it's true, because I didn't fact check it, but Ricardo shared it. There was a pastor who was given a pastor appreciation gift, maybe, of this watch. And they gave it to him, and he sort of corrected his church because it wasn't the watch he wanted. It was a nice watch, but maybe it wasn't the watch. So anyways... Then he apologized. It was on the news, all that kind of stuff. So anyways, what I did is I'm like, I don't have a watch. <laughs> so anyways, this is all a joke here. So I do not want a watch. Do not, I'm not sharing this here. I don't have, I have a watch sitting in my drawer. I don't wear watches, okay? Anyways, I said, Ricardo, lift up your hand, Ricardo. Ricardo's got this Fitbit. And I said, do you consider that a good thing? He said, of course. And then we've got our usher back there, Brian Stewart. Brian loves watches. Show him the watch, Brian. So again, it's like, you guys plan on sharing anything with me? Anyways, that's where Ricardo corrects me. So anyways, point is, all good things just means good things. It means you, you care for the guy who's teaching you. Or the woman who's teaching your kids in children's ministry. We look to bless them. Because they're faithfully preparing to open God's word and come alongside you and disciple your kids. Living in the good of the gospel means we're generous. We're generous to those around us. Not just generous to the baseball hitting coach that we spend all that money to help our kids bat above 300 and maybe get a home run. And we can spend thousands of dollars on that. I've seen it. 
What are you saying? No, it's the church. The church is far more important than that baseball hitting coach or that basketball shooting coach or whatever it is you like to spend your money on to help you get better at things. This is life or death. This is God's word. This is truth being confronted by us through faithful men and women who teach us the gospel. So we're called as hearers, as those who are being taught the word, to be generous towards those who are doing the teaching. Now Paul has shared this with other churches as well. In 1 Corinthians, he wrote the following. He said, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? And he's just saying, because we're faithfully teaching you what is right. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endured anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should, be, get, or should get their living by the gospel. And then writing to Timothy, he wrote the following. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. I I know there's like, it's interesting. As I was studying this, most commentators, they want to like sort of go to this place where Like, this is what God's word says. It says, if you're taught the word, share all good things with those who teach the word. And they kind of say, yeah, that's what it means. It means you got to be generous. You got to give. But be careful. And there's all these warnings. And I I say they're appropriate because, because we're dealing with money. We're dealing with material things. Pastors, teachers can abuse that. And on the other side of that is hearers, givers can abuse that as well, where because they give, they think that they can control the way the church is run. But the pastor teacher also can abuse it because, and then what I'm saying is, these are just things you've learned. I know you, you probably have people in your life that you have to be careful. One of those people in my life is my mom. Okay, I'm 44 years old. My mom is, I don't know, she probably won't even want me to tell her age, so I'm not going to say it. Anyways, when my mom's around, I cannot say anything about anything in regards to like, like, do I need a new pair of running shoes? Like, I, I'm 44 years old. I know I need a new pair of running shoes. I can go to the store and buy a new pair of running shoes. But if my mom's around, you know what my mom does? She shows up, here's a pair of running shoes. And I'm like, I'm not 13. Anyways, the point being is this. Pastors have to be careful. Preachers have to be careful because God cares for us. And ultimately, we trust in that. And he works through his people But I share that because I'm talking about watches. I don't want a watch. Joking around about that, but I understand there are abuses here. And we have to be careful. And I think how we manage those abuses are is we walk in we walk in accountability. We walk in the light. We 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 seek to, I would say, err on the side of trusting God. Trust that he's at work in all things and he will provide for those he calls to teach and he will provide for those who are hearing. 
David Platt said the following, this is in closing, Paul's burden was for the furtherance of the gospel. And he knew that the God-ordained means for accomplishing this was the steady proclamation of the word of God by faithful teachers. But these teachers would be limited if they could not take care of their daily necessities. By caring for the needs of the teachers, the church says we want the word of God taught faithfully and effectively so we will help support you. So this is what it's about. It's not about making pastors rich. None of that kind of stuff. It's about the gospel advancing. And the way in which it works in the context of the church is God calls and equips certain men and women to teach. And it's just this continuous cycle. They teach, they raise up teachers. Teach, raise up teachers. And there's discipleship going. And when we are listeners of the word or those being taught, he says living in the gut of the gospel means we're generously seeking to support those who are faithfully teaching us. And in closing, I would say you do this so well. So well. Again, this is not a corrective message. It's just here. Hopefully it serves us today and it serves us tomorrow. And that by the grace of God, we seek, we seek to care for those, caring for one another, but those that God calls and equips to teach us his word. And so on behalf of Phil, I just say thank you. Thanks for being humble. Thanks for being faithful and generous in your giving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us. You'd bless us as a local church. That you would raise up more pastors, more teachers, more faithful men and women to proclaim your word. That we might support, that the gospel might advance, and that people would get saved, and your kingdom would grow. Lord, we love you and we trust you. And Lord, we ask that you would empower us to be your people this week as we go out into this world. Surprise and delight us with your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.